0: I just want to go straight into where we are, where we left off last week, and it's important that we remember what last week was about, Uh, but I'll get into the chapter four here of 1 Peter. It says, therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. I read that, but I don't want you to forget where we left off last week in chapter 3, verse 18. Peter said this, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So what we're talking about here this morning is those two things the flesh and the spirit now i believe that peter refers to the flesh about 7 times in this letter and this is the, the there's a difference between what he is referring to as flesh versus what paul would refer to flesh as in romans Ro- in romans paul's talking about this this flesh this sinful desire that we have that's That's in us that is in our it's in our flesh It's 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 something where we just do things on our own in our own strength in our own our own will Well, that's not what necessarily Peter's talking about here when he's talking about flesh He's literally talking about the flesh as as us as humans as incarnate here on this earth and so when he talks about having to deal with the flesh According to Peter, if we suffer, we are at odds with the world because of what Christ did. And this is the whole, the whole theme of this chapter right here is that you've been set apart. You've been made holy. That the world sees you differently. Why does the world see you differently? Because you have a new heart and you're learning how to live out of that new heart. And as you live out of that new heart, you're in aw- You're at odds with this world. Like, the things that you do versus what the world does. And here's the thing. It's natural for you to do good things. It's natural because he's put a new heart in you. He's made you a new creation. He's redeemed you. We say this every week. Figure this thing out this doesn't mean that christians do not or cannot choose to sin like you still have a choice to act out of your flesh to do things in your own strength to do things selfishly you you can do that but that's not the way that you're wired anymore that's unnatural for you to do that and the other thing is is we're we're no longer characterized by that what Matt was up here talking about is that, you know, we each have our own soul, but the truth is, we each have a, a new heart, and because of that new heart, we do things differently. And then he says, "Those who suffer in the flesh is finished with sin. That's because Christians are designed to live according to God's will. And here we go with that. Verse 2, it says, In order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. I say this all the time in here. People ask, you know, uh, about their calling. Their calling, what's their calling in life? My calling is to lead this nonprofit ministry. That's my calling at this point. Your calling is different. But then you ask the question, well, what's God's will for my life? I'll tell you that God's will for your life is the same as it is for me. I say this all the time. Everybody in the room right here has the same has the same will that God wants you to have. And and what is that? For you to walk by the Spirit. For us to follow the Spirit. That's God's will for your life. That's it. It may look different for you. It may as as Matt was saying that we all have a soul and. Because of that soul, it causes us to have a personality that are, that are different and the way that we respond and, and everything like that. But the truth of the matter is, he's like, walk by the Spirit. And then people go, well, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? I was looking through, you know how you, you have stuff pile up on your desk or whatever and I, you finally have to go sort through it. I think I was sorted through your notes. I think it was your notes. Your name wasn't on it, Dave, but it was talking about how do you walk with God is that you and uh, literally it comes down to this people go "Well, how, how if the will of God for me is to walk by the Spirit how do I do that what does that look like <laughs> I th- I think the only thing that I can say to you this is know God Amen. just just get to know him like read his word Amen. hang out hang out with uh, other people that know and love God step outside in his creation, look at his creation and see God, experience God. And there's this spirit that lives inside of us. And if you get to know that spirit, you hear it. You hear it. He'll speak to you. He'll talk to you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll do things for you. He'll breathe for you. Uh, I can't, you know, I can't cause you to walk by the spirit. I can only teach that to you. And that's literally what Paul is saying here. God's will for you now is like totally changed now that you're a believer. In the New Testament church, literally God's will is ultimately Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. The will of God that we believe in him and that we just allow him to live through us daily. Like he is going to direct my steps every day I just have to like let him do it because I have a choice I can either choose my flesh or I can choose to walk by the Spirit and he's saying to them right here the Christians are no longer compatible with the sins and he and when he's Writing this again, remember he's not writing this to you, even though it's for you. He's writing it to this this people that are a church in, in uh, northern Galatia, and it's most likely to the Gentiles because he refers to them. Warren Wiersbe says this: We may not always understand what God is doing, but we know that He is doing what is best for us. We do not live on explanations; we live on promises. In verse 3 it says this, For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do. And then he lists it. If if you need explanation of what the Gentiles, those who are non-believers, those that are of the world, he's like carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. It would have seemed that Peter is like predominantly writing to the Gentiles at this point not necessarily the Jews but the Gentiles he says they are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living and they slander you they will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead (laughs) we we can absolutely take comfort in the fact that it is not our job to judge the world thank goodness uh, people ask me about uh, people's salvation all the time, and I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's not me. You don't want me deciding that. God is the judge, and he will judge perfectly because he is perfect love and he is perfect goodness. But here, here's the crazy thing. is It says they're surprised that you don't join them in the same, same flood of wild living. They have no problem if you, like, you know get drunk with them party with them carouse with them you know they think that that's that's good but all of a sudden if you say I I'm abstaining from alcohol or I'm abstaining from you know sex I'm I'm doing you all of a sudden look weird like they they condemn you they are like, come on man just this one time you know and this is literally what Peter's saying they're surprised that you don't join them. And it's literally because you're a new creation. You, you've been made holy. You've been separated from the world. He says in verse 6, For this reason the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to the human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. People will take that passage of scripture right there and say, oh, well, there's a second chance for those who have died. No, he's literally saying they had their chance. They had their chance because you can go back and you can see all the way back to Genesis where Abraham was credited righteousness just because he believed. So salvation's been available. It's been available all the way back to the beginning. And you can go through the whole Old Testament and you can see that salvation is presented, that there's a Messiah that's coming to save them, that's coming to redeem them, Redeem them of what? Redeem them of their sins. Redeem them of their flesh. And so all along they've had this opportunity, the finished work of Christ. It's not simply just the front end of Christianity. When he says, it is finished, yes we have salvation, but guess what? There's much more to it than just having salvation, knowing that I'm going to heaven. I'm able to walk here on earth and have an abundant life. I can enjoy, I can enjoy life in the midst of the chaos and the hurt. And trust me, there's chaos and hurt. But, if I don't have this relationship, if I I don't know him, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to struggle. I... I truly believe we can't be apart from God and his work and within his work because the nature of God is revealed, obviously, through us as believers. The world can see what God is about, what Jesus is about, just by watching us. Now, that can be good or bad, depending on if you're choosing to walk by your flesh or choosing to walk by the Spirit but again it's not my responsibility in verse seven it says this the end of all things is near therefore be alert and sober minded for prayer man that that first part right there the end of all things is near uh... there's so many different opinions in here uh... about what that actually means if that's already occurred if that's gonna occur if it's not ever gonna occur there's a lot of opinions like uh, i can do this right here uh, w- watch this in February there is a holiday what is that holiday don't say anything what is that holiday now raise your hand if you thought it was uh, Ash Wednesday hmm, nobody uh, if raise your hand if you thought it was a Super Bowl the day after the Super Bowl raise your hand if you thought it was Valentine's Day it's not a holiday And raise your hand if you thought it was President's Day. You see, uh, we get this whole uh, Travis Kelsey and Abraham Lincoln thing all confused in here. (laughs) And it's probably going to be the same way with the end times. Because everybody thinks something different about the end times. Uh, People go, well, why aren't you going to teach Revelation? I'm like, oh, because there's so many opinions about it. Yeah, you can have interpretations, and 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 he, here's what you have to. Here's what you have to know: is this is <clears throat> I believe the most important thing is that people understand Jesus Christ died for their sins, and that He became the Savior, the Messiah, and forgiveness was attained. Amen. Number one thing, you're gonna hear that all the time in here. Yep. Number two, I want them to understand who they are in Christ their identity in Christ they understand grace versus legalism Amen. that's important because that's when that's when the abundant life happens that's when the the post-salvation thing happens that's what we do as a community and then everything else is like third-level stuff Amen. and we can get caught in the weeds there in this room we can definitely get caught in the weeds and I'm not gonna do that and he says he says this uh, verse 6, or excuse me, I'm on verse 8. Above all, maintain constant love. No, no, I'm back up. The end of all things is near, therefore, be alert, sober minded for prayer. I honestly think when he talks about that verse, it's not necessarily focused on the end times, but it's talking about just the prayer. The prayer is important. Uh, being able to communicate with God Being able to communicate with God is uh, an important thing in my life. When I was uh, raised in Southern Baptist Church, Southern Baptist Home, Southern Baptist College, Southern Baptist Seminary, I was taught that prayer looks like this. That, uh, one, the Lord's Prayer, you can do the Lord's Prayer, which that is part of the Old Covenant. Uh, Two is that I can do adoration, I have to adore the Lord, and then I have to confess, and then I have to do thanksgiving, and then I can do supplication, one of those big words, which was basically ask for everything. So I treat God really good at the beginning, and then I can ask him for whatever I want. It's kind of the way I learned, was taught to pray. And then I just uh, came to understand that right now when I'm talking, I'm praying to the Lord. Like, Lord, uh, I'm trusting you right now with the words that come out of my mouth. Lord I'm tr- I'm trusting you as I'm driving right now that I can stay focused on you today even though I just got cut off like the the the, the prayer is just is, and sometimes I don't have I don't even have to verbalize it he knows my thoughts and so I communicate with God and he communicates with me and that's because I'm learning about the spirit I'm trusting the spirit I'm hearing the spirit then he says in verse 8, above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> Jesus is literally producing love with all, within all of his children at this very moment. I get it. You are in relationships that are difficult and feelings and emotions come into play. Feelings and emotions come into play, and sometimes there can be this desire for revenge or hate, or and that is not us. That is not you. That is not of God. Literally, He's created us to love, and when we're able to love, <laughs> he's literally saying love covers a multitude of sins. Not that I'm agreeing with people in their sin not that I'm agreeing with them but I can love them in the middle of their sin because how else are they going to hear about the goodness of God if I'm condemning them and pointing the finger at them like it's hard it's hard but that's when the will of God comes into play and that means walking by the spirit letting the spirit love when I can't love trusting him to do that there, there's not going to be any sins committed when we're loving verse 9 it says be hospitable to one another without complaining hmm. just as each one has received a gift use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God Man, there's a lot right there in that verse. Uh, Be hospitable to one another without complaining, just as each one has received a gift. If you're a believer in here, if you believe that Jesus is your Savior, then guess what? You've been given a gift. You've been given a gift as a part of this body of believers to love one another. Whatever that gift is, for I, I can look around the room and go, Man, the giftedness in this room is crazy. What God has blessed in this room. And for us to come together as a body, not one one not being more important than the other, but God has gifted us to work together as one in the community. Amen. And then because we receive that gift and we serve each other. You don't have to, you get to. <laughs> you don't have to, you get to because we serve one another. Everybody sees, oh, they're different. And it watch this. As good as good stewards, as good stewards of the varied grace of God. God's grace has many layers to it. His grace is really expressed through the various gifts that happened here in this crew right here. But for me to understand that grace is not only my salvation, but it's literally giving me grace to sit here today and to teach. It's Grace is to let you walk in and sit here and just uh, love on one another, to see one another, to encourage one another. God's grace has so many levels to it. And this is literally what God is empowering us to do. Is to live each and every day for him rather than ourselves. But it all works together. We're to live as Christ lives. And how did Christ live? He let God empower him while he was here on earth. That's what glorifies God. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, let it be as the one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, not our own, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The church is the body of Christ here on earth. That's it. We represent him to the world In both word and deed, the things that we say and the things that we do, people watch. As we preach the gospel of grace, we communicate the heart of God to people. And then uh, he gets to where the rubber meets the road right here in verse 12. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Uh, At this point, Peter's affirming that suffering is normal for Christians. Do not get this wrong. Because Christians are inherently opposed to the world, there's this natural predisposition to suffering and persecution. Watch. That doesn't mean that God is trying to break us or crush us to mature us. It's not God that's doing that to us. This this world gets so confused because uh, things happen. And every time they want to blame everything on God. Well, there's an antithesis to God, and that is the evil one. And the evil one is at work as well. And so you have to give him credit for a lot of these things as well, which we have a hard time doing for some reason. The world has a hard time. They just want to blame God for everything. We live in a fallen world because of the evil one. Because Adam and Eve made a bad choice. So now we, we're suffering because of what happened all the way back there. Death occurs. Grief occurs. Relationships are broken because of a fallen world. There's no question that you are going to suffer and God God is not testing his children What God does is he takes those things we said it a few weeks ago I talked about the sovereignty of God, but he takes those things that happens to us and he teaches us and he guides us And he matures us and he disciplines us and he does all these things to help us get through this adventure here but you are going to face persecution And oppression and suffering here on this earth while we're in this flesh because of external circumstances. And sometimes they're your own choices. Sometimes they're your family's choices. Sometimes they're your friends' choices. Sometimes they're your boss's choices. But because of that, we who are separated walk differently, think differently, act differently it helps deepen the understanding of Christ's love here on earth because people watch us. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when His glory is revealed. (laughs) Rejoice while you're suffering. (laughs) Did you hear that? Sometimes it's easier said than done. You can literally respond to God in one of two ways. You can question God and become angry at God and become victims. Or, we can make a different choice despite our feelings and we can honestly just choose thankfulness. Sounds weird in the midst of suffering. But God is doing something in the middle of our suffering. And we have to see it. We have to recognize it. Verse 14, it says, If you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rest on you. Uh, Peter's point here is that, that we, we shouldn't go out to like seek suffering in order that we can bless the name of God. That's, that's not the way that it works here. But because of our suffering, because we are ridiculed in the name of Christ, because we are called out, you're no different than Jesus. That's exactly what he went through. Like he was opposed by the world. It says, <clears throat> "Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler, but if anyone suffers, as a Christian, oh, there's that word, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. The name Christian nowadays is uh, is almost offensive, like to be called a, a Christian because of politics and because of worldly things that Christians are doing and... So to be defined as a Christian, we sit here in this room and we try to go, well what 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 can we be called? Can we be called believers? Can we what let's let's call it, let's label us something different than Christians because but he's saying don't be ashamed. No 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 matter what everybody else is doing, don't be ashamed. No matter what the non-believers are doing, no matter what other Christians are doing, don't don't be ashamed may God be glorified in who he is don't be ashamed we, we we've tried to make the term more palatable but that whole that whole name Christian is, is kind of a stumbling block he says for the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household and if it begins with us what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God when he's talking about the judgment there, he's not talking about the eternal judgment, salvation judgment. He's literally talking about the judgment of the church. Is that is that uh, Levener is being judged by society, by the community. Northview is being judged. Grace Church is being judged. All the different churches, you know it because everybody talks about it. Everybody talks about the churches and what's going on and what's what's being spoken, what they're doing, and everything else, the world is judging us. There's no question about it. And he's literally saying right now, uh, if it it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey? Because there's a judgment that's coming, and it's not going to be by the world, it's going to be by God. Greater is that judgment than the judgment that we're facing here on this earth. In the last couple of verses he says this. And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the godly, of the ungodly and the sinner? He's literally quoted Proverbs chapter 11 verse 31 right there. If if the righteous person is saved with difficulty, what about those people that are unrighteous? What about those people that never believe in Jesus? He says, so then, let those who suffer according to God's will, what's God's will? That we walk by the Spirit. So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. You, if you're going to end a message, what better way to end a message right here? While, while God possesses every one of his children we still need to trust him i i can sit here and read this word and you can hear this word and you can even believe this word the hard part's trusting it why is that because we have this flesh and the flesh wants to do it on our own i can do this i can do this but he's literally saying Trust the Creator. Trust the one who's from the very beginning. If you just trust, if you just trust, I know you hear it. I know you understand it. I know you believe it. Just trust me. This choice, it has to be made despite our feelings and what we're experiencing. It's a choice that we literally make. I'm going to trust that this word is true. I'm going to trust what God is saying in his word. I'm going to trust the spirit that's living inside of me. I'm going to trust him. Yeah, it's totally opposite of what the world teaches. It's totally opposite of what we've experienced our whole life. But let me tell you something. It is the greatest adventure you will ever experience. Trusting God. It doesn't get any better. I promise you. They ask that, that question, you know, it's like, what if this isn't real? What if this isn't real? Well, I can tell you right now it's real. Because I've, I'm literally walking this adventure, and I see God in so many things, in so many ways, every day of my life. There, there's no there's no way to explain what happens in my life other than it's God doing it. I can't explain it. I cannot explain my life. And that's that's literally that's literally why I'm sitting here today is because. 15 years ago I said God I can explain everything that I've done in ministry I just want to be a part of something I can't explain and if I can't explain it then it has to be you and I don't want to market this I don't want to, I just want to get up there and teach the word and if the word is good enough people will come I trust I trust what I'm teaching I trust God It's an incredible adventure. Father, I pray that um, as we just go throughout this day and this week that your word comes alive once more to the people, to me. We sit here and read it, study it, talk about it, debate it, opinions and everything else. May we just enjoy you this week. May we just like know you more this week. May you cause us to have wisdom more wisdom this week and I'm going to trust you with that and I pray these things in Jesus name Amen